politics, culture, chaos. It's time to make sense of it all. It's time to have a little fun. This is your afternoon dose of sanity. This is the Rich Zioli Podcast. Oh, I think Dr. Fauci's in a little bit of trouble. I do. I think he's in trouble. Senator Rand Paul says, hey, you, you might have lied to Congress after an explosive report from The Intercept. Proving, yes, gain-of-function research at the lab in Wuhan. That's a big deal. Big deal. Good afternoon and welcome to the Afternoon Podcast. It is uh, Tuesday. Tuesday. Yeah, I hope you had a great Labor Day weekend. First, let me begin with my apologies for not doing a Friday podcast after I told you I would. I didn't realize I would end up in the emergency room uh, for a diverticulitis flare-up. I talked about it on the show a little bit today, but if you missed it, um, I have this uh, ongoing battle with diverticulitis. It's a pain in the neck. And uh, I get all kinds of different advice on what to eat, what not to eat, this, that, and the other thing. But the, the doctors keep saying, ah, we don't know. Well, we don't know. I, I don't know. We don't know. Anyway, I didn't realize I'd end up in the emergency room, but I'm fine now uh, on, a, on two antibiotics. A lot of fun. Got to take a probiotic, too, you know, when you're on antibiotics, they say. And I'm not a yogurt guy. I'm just not a yogurt guy. Never have been. I don't know what it is. The consistency. When I was a little kid, I loved the strawberry banana yogurt, but now I'm an adult. So I feel like yogurt is just not my thing. So I got to take a probiotic pill. Anyway, Dr. Fauci is in a lot of trouble. More than 900 pages of materials related to U.S.-funded coronavirus research in China were released following a FOIA lawsuit by The Intercept. FOIA being Freedom of Information Act. Now, Senator Rand Paul is all over this. He's tweeting like a, like a madman today, and he's saying, listen, you, Fauci, we got to have a conversation here because uh, you're a, you're a friggin' liar. Is basically says <laughs> the short the short kind of way of putting it. You're just you're a friggin' liar. So why don't you uh, why don't you come clean here? You've been telling us that there was no gain of function research. You called me a liar, and now you're in trouble. So he's asked the Department of Justice to review Fauci's testimony for lying to Congress. The report that came out from The Intercept should make it abundantly clear that he needs to be held accountable. And he should be, because he went in front of Congress and said, no, Senator, that's uh, you're incorrect. That's a lie. Uh, that's a lie, and you need to uh, to atone, uh, you liar, Senator. But now we know, I mean, come on. We, I, did anybody really doubt this? Did anybody really doubt that they were doing gain-of-function research or that uh, the Fouch was lying? I didn't doubt it for a second. And now he's facing all kinds of calls to resign. People are angry at him. It's interesting, too, because Fauci was the exalted hero of COVID. Saint Fauci, a Santo Fauci. And how dare you say anything about him? I would get blasted. Why are you going after Fauci? What's, I, uh, uh, why are you going after Fauci? He's just trying to help. Come on, Brad Pitt played him on Saturday Night Live. What are you doing? The reality is, I don't trust this guy. He's a bureaucrat. He's a lifer. He's a lifer bureaucrat. And, uh... I don't know. There's, I, I always found it was the whole mask thing for me when he lied in March and said you don't need masks, even though he he was about to tell everybody you did. But anybody who lies, I don't know. I just it's hard for me after that. It's like you'll say fool me once. Shame on me. No, way is it? No, the other way. Fool me once. Shame on you. Fool me twice. Shame on me. Right. Fool me three times. Well, then we're going to have to go in the alley and settle it like men. Like men. If you can still do that as a man, I don't even know. Uh, here's what I will tell you, though. I'll tell you 
that this report from The Intercept is incredibly damning. So let me give you some details on that as we begin. Details emerging, newly released documents, details on U.S.-funded research on several types of coronaviruses at the Wuhan Institute of Virology in China. 900 pages of documents detailing the work of the EcoHealth Alliance, a U.S.-based health organization that used federal money to fund bat coronavirus research at the Chinese laboratory. The trove of documents includes two previously unpublished grant proposals that were funded by the National Institutes of Allergy and Infectious Diseases. Oh, who, whoa, 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 whoa. Whose agency is that? That's right, the Fouch. That's his agency. He is the director of the National Institute of Allergy and Infectious Disease. And although it is required by law that you always have to say the nation's leading infectious disease doctor, that is actually his title. He's the director of the National Institutes for Allergy and Infectious Disease. The documents were released in conjunction with the Freedom of Information Act litigation by The Intercept against the National Institutes of Health. And they're trying to make all this public. Gary Ruskin, executive director of U.S. Right to Know, a group that has also been investigating the origins of COVID-19, said this is a roadmap to the high-risk research that could have led to the current pandemic. One of the grants was, and, you know, I keep thinking about this. I mean, everybody said, well, wait a second. How can you prove that they were actually tinkering with the virus in the lab? Can How do you know that they were actually working on a bat coronavirus and that they were working on a coronavirus and that a bat was involved in a laboratory? How can you possibly know that? Stop spreading misinformation. How can you possibly know that a bat and a coronavirus were involved in the research in the lab? Well... <laughs> One of the grants was entitled, and I believe that Captain Obvious from the Hotels.com commercial literally wrote the title of this grant. Understanding the risk of bat coronavirus emergence. It's literally the title of the of the grant. It has the words bat and coronavirus in the grant. Think, I mean, think about that for a moment. Not just bat, not just coronavirus, but bat coronavirus. Literally it, in the grant. But now we're supposed to believe that even though they were understanding the risk of back coronavirus emergence in the laboratory, somehow blocks away at the wet market, somebody had a medium rare bat burger. Mmm, delicious. You overcook a bat burger and you know what I mean? It's just a, that's one of the sins. Somebody had a medium rare bat burger and poo, voila, there's a worldwide global pandemic. Uh-huh, Right. The ambitious effort led by EcoHealth Alliance President Peter Daszak. Now, that's the guy that, uh, and I'll play the audio on that, was the guy that was talking about they knew the risks, remember? But they knew the risks, but, uh, you know, the benefits outweigh the risks, the risks, and blah, 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 blah. Anyway, Daszak was involved with all this, which is screening people who work with live animals. The documents contain several critical details about the research, including the fact that key experimental work with humanized mice was conducted at a biosafety level three lab now that's not good you're supposed to do it at the level four but it's wuhan and honestly quite frankly they don't have the same standards and if they do and this is what something the united states questioned for a long time we questioned the for for a while now whether or not they should be actually researching this stuff over there because of the fact that their lab was just so low energy for lack of a better word that's what it is low energy and so they were at a level four biosafety lab doing this very Difficult, very important gain of function research on bats 
in the lab. And the back coronavirus grant was provided by EcoHealth Alliance with a total of $3.1 million, including almost $600,000 that the Wuhan Institute of Virology used in part to identify and alter back coronaviruses likely to infect humans. Again, the key word there is alter. I mean, you can identify them, but it's when you identify and alter them. The alter is the problem, right? I mean, the identifying is, oh, look, a virus. The altering of the virus, well, therein lies the issue that we've been talking about this entire time. Since since the earliest days of the pandemic, I've been talking about the idea that this came from a lab and not just because it was sitting there in a little Petri dish and somebody knocked it over and went, oops, look at it, run out the door. No, it said they took the Petri dish and they went and did this and this and this and they tinkered and, the, and then in other words, they altered it. They altered the virus. And as we're now talking about the Mu variant which apparently now is vaccine resistant, they say. All I would tell you is it wouldn't surprise me if they were also trying to figure out, oh, how do you make a coronavirus that's, that learns to be vaccine resistant? And we'll, we'll alter with it a little bit over here. But I don't know that. That's speculation. I'll focus on the facts for right now. So what they did in the grant proposal, acknowledging a lot of the dangers, field work involving the highest risk of exposure to SARS and other COVIDs, because this, this virus is technically SARS-CoV-2. So the exposure to SARS and other COVIDs while working in caves with high bat density overhead and the potential for fecal dust to be inhaled. Now, I don't know about you, but I try to start my day with a nice inhalation of bat fecal dust. You know, it's really, it gets you going. You know what I mean? Like, it, mm, like some people do vitamin B. Listen, you do you, I'll do me. Mmm. Anyway, uh, Alan Shan, a molecular biologist at the Broad Institute, said the documents show that EcoHealth Alliance has reason to take the lab leak theory seriously. In this proposal, they actually point out that they know how risky the work is. They keep talking about people potentially getting bitten, and they kept records of everyone who got bitten. Does Equal Health have those records? And if not, how can they possibly rule out a research-related accident? And I'll tell you something. That's always a possibility that it was a research-related accident. Like a bat came down, bit a dude, and then flew back up and was hanging on the rafters. And you're like, ah, come down here, bat. And the guy's sitting there hoping he turns into Batman. Well, let's face it, Spider-Man got bit by a spider. So I, you would think maybe a bat bit Batman. That's not what happened. But I need to point that out for, you know, I'm a... I love all the action here, the superhero movies, and some people might be thinking that. But no, it's not the case. Batman did not get bit. Maybe he got bit by a bat. I don't know. But in all the storylines I've ever seen, I don't remember one where he got bit and then turned into Batman. Like, he just he's a, he's a rich guy who puts on a Batman suit and fights crime. He's not actually a Batman. That's a title. It's a like a title of respect, you know, like... Don Corleone. Don is the title of respect. Uh, but Spider-Man was bit by a spider in a lab and got superpowers, and he's Spider-Man. Spider-Man, Spider-Man, psh, does whatever a spider can. So anyway, if the bat came down and bit somebody, I doubt that they turned into the Chinese version of Batman. I, I, but, but look, maybe. I mean, who can't rule anything out in these days. So Richard uh, Ebright, Ebright. Now, he's a molecular biologist at Rutgers University. And according to him, the documents contain critical information about the research done in Wuhan, including about the creation of novel viruses. The viruses they constructed were tested for their ability to infect mice that were engineered to display human-type receptors on their cell. 
He said the documents make it clear that two different types of novel coronaviruses were able to infect humanized mice. While they were working on a SARS-related coronavirus, they were carrying out a parallel project at the same time on MERS-related coronavirus, that is Middle East Respiratory Syndrome. Robert Kessler, communications manager at EcoHealth Alliance, said, we applied for grants to conduct research. The relevant agencies deemed that to be important research and thus funded it. So I don't know if there's a whole lot to say. Hey, listen, jerk, there's a lot to say. Your research led to a worldwide global pandemic. There's actually a lot to say. You were funding this research, you and your buddy Fauci, and you people all lied about it for 18 months. And what's really frustrating is that in the earliest days of COVID, we could have gotten into that lab potentially and maybe figured out that this was actually something that was engineered in the lab. But instead, the denials from Fauci, the cover-up began, and that's the thing. This was a cover-up. They covered this up, hoping the truth would never come out. Because it lands on their desk. This lands on Fauci's desk. What you're going through, what I'm going through. Your kids having to wear a mask. Your kids potentially not being in school this year. You working from home. Whatever. It's, it's because of this. Not because somebody went to a wet market and ordered a side of pangolin chips. Deep fried pangolin chips. The side of marinara. That sounds disgusting to me. I don't, I don't know. Anyway, the closest relative of SARS-CoV-2, which causes COVID-19, is a virus found in bats, making the animals a focal point for efforts to understand the origins of the pandemic. Now, how the virus jumped to humans is a subject of debate, obviously. Many scientists believe it was a natural spillover, meaning that the virus passed to humans in a setting such as a wet market or a rural area where humans and animals are in close contact. Eh. Biosafety experts and international sleuths who suspected lab origin, meanwhile, have spent more than a year poring over publicly available information and obscure scientific publications looking for answers. In the past few months, leading scientists have also called for a deeper investigation of the pandemic's origins, as everybody knows, and the intelligence inquiry was inconclusive because we don't really want to know the truth. We don't want to know the truth. Listen, this goes back to September of 2019. We know that now. By the way, Biden just finished touring New Jersey with Governor Phil Murphy. I'll have some things to say about that. We also believe that there's at least 100 Americans trapped in Afghanistan. I will talk about that as well in the afternoon podcast. All the things you're missing today. So thank you for being here. Thank you for subscribing. Now think about this. If this document had been released in 2020, it might have changed things massively. One of the earliest people to call for an investigation this uh, this uh, man, Chan, who worked on this, called for the investigation. He said this would have changed things massively just to have all the information in one place, immediately transparent, incredible document that was submitted by EcoHealth Alliance. In other words, if we knew then that there was this kind of gain of function work going on, we could have then played detective and gone backwards and figured out exactly what was happening. And look, maybe it was a bat that fell from the ceiling and bit a guy. I don't know. But I have a stronger suspicion that it was. Here's Petri dish. Here's SARS. Here's the then. And then they alter it. Remember the word alter. And then boom, you got SARS-CoV-2. That's my that's what I think. Now, the second grant was called Understanding the Risk of Zoonotic Virus Emergence in Emerging Infectious Disease Hotspots of Southeast Asia. It was awarded in August of 2020 and extends through 2025. And this one now 
is focusing on scaling up and deploying resources in Asia in case of an outbreak of an emergent infectious disease. Asia being the hottest of the emerging infectious disease hotspots. Now, these grants and what this proves, it proves a number of different things. As Rand Paul said, it proves that Fauci lied to his committee because Rand Paul said to Fauci, you are doing gain-of-function research, and Fauci denied it. And, and, and when you lie like that, now that's a real problem. That's a real problem. And also, too, and let me say this, the fact that they were doing the research at the, at, at the Wuhan lab also means that for the last, I don't know, year, longer, that, that Facebook and Twitter and all these other sites blocked you from talking about this, the times that I was called a conspiracy theorist, tinfoil hack guy, like, listen, hey, come on, would you stop with the lab leak theory? Nobody thinks that. And then all those talking heads in the media, remember Joy Reid from MSNBC that this was debunked bunkum? Cassie Hunt over in MSNBC, the debunked lab theory. I mean, I heard so many people in the media saying that over and over again. Over and over again. That this was debunked. Who debunked it? Nobody debunked it. Fauci lied about it because it landed on his desk. If Think about it now. If the grant from Fauci, the National Institutes of Infectious Disease, and the EcoHealth, EcoHealth Alliance led to the research being done on the SARS-CoV-2 and then the experimentation, the altering, and then it, somehow it gets out of the lab. Bottom of some guy's shoe, whatever, it's out there in the world because these guys were funding research in a biosafety lab level three. And so it's not as safe as a level four and it gets out. And then there's a worldwide global pandemic. Now, the, the, the bureaucrats in D.C., what do they want to do? What does every bureaucrat in, in D.C. want to do? Their number one job, their number one priority, self-preservation. That's what they do. And they're very good at it. Self-preservation. They always know they're going to be they're going to be there longer than the agency administrator, the president, whoever. So for them, it's a matter of survival. Now, Richard Ebright who was one of the guys who early on, I think, was a little bit dismissive of the lab leak theory. He had a, a, a thread today, as they call it, a Twitter thread. Now, what's important to know about this, and I think this is really important, Richard Ebright is the professor that almost every major news publication quoted for the last year, quoted or misquoted for the last year, in theories related to the origin of COVID-19. Now, let me share with you what he said, because this is... This guy is, he was the media's go-to guy. Newly released documents provide details of U.S.-funded research on coronaviruses at the Wuhan Institute of Virology. The Intercept has obtained more than 900 pages of documents detailing work of the EcoHealth Alliance at the Chinese lab. The materials show that 2014 and 2019, National Institute of Health grants the EcoHealth Alliance with subcontracts to the Wuhan Institute of Virology funded gain-of-function research as defined in federal policies in effect in 2014 through 2017 and potentially pandemic pathogen, and, I'm sorry, excuse me, and potential pandemic pathogen enhancement as defined in federal policies in effect in 2017 through the present. This has been evident from previously published research papers that credited the 2014 grant and the publicly available summary of the 2019 grant. But now we can state definitively that this is what happened. The materials confirm the grants supported the construction in Wuhan of novel chimeric SARS-related coronaviruses that combined a spike gene from one coronavirus from another coronavirus and confirmed the resulting viruses could infect human cells. 
Richard E. Bright continues. The materials reveal that the resulting novel laboratory-generated SARS-related coronaviruses also could infect mice engineered to display human receptors on cells. The materials further reveal for the first time that one of the resulting novel laboratory-generated SARS-related coronaviruses, one that had not been previously disclosed publicly, was more pathogenic to humanized mice than the starting virus from which it was constructed. And thus, not only was reasonably anticipated to exhibit enhanced pathogenicity, but indeed was demonstrated to exhibit enhanced pathogenicity. Genicity. These are big words. I know. The materials further reveal that the grants also supported the construction in Wuhan of the novel chimeric MERS-related coronaviruses that combine spike proteins, spike genes, from the one MERS-related coronavirus with genetic information from another MERS-related coronavirus. Again, MERS being Middle East Respiratory Syndrome. The documents make clear that assertions by the National Institute of Health Director Francis Collins and the National Institutes of Allergy and Infectious Disease, that guy, Anthony Fauci, his claims that the NIH did not support gain-of-function research or potential pandemic pathogen enhancement at the Wuhan Institute of Virology are lies. They are lies. Wicked, wicked lies. And now you know. And now we know. And now we have it confirmed, thanks to the great work by The Intercept, pouring over 900 pages of all of this. And I think, too, it's really important to remember, too, as you think about all the various issues surrounding the lab leak theory, all we wanted to do was figure it out. That's all I wanted to do. I I wanted to get to the bottom of it and my strong suspicion that this came from a lab because I wanted to just make sure this doesn't happen again. And if if, if we're in the laboratory and we got this in a Petri dish and we're tinkering with it and it gets out, well, I have a number of questions. Are you still tinkering with viruses in the lab? Have you figured out now how to make sure that this doesn't happen in biosafety level threes anymore and only in biosafety level fours? And the other question I have is, why are we messing with nature like this? What are we doing? We're purposely making viruses worse. The the idea being that that's how we'll learn to fight them. But we're creating Frankenstein and Frankenstein's getting out and attacking the villagers. And we're going, well, you know, we created Frankenstein to figure out how to fight him. Yeah, but you didn't. But he's out. He's out. He's, he, look, look, look at him. There he is, Frankenstein. He's running around the village. He's knocking over houses. You created this guy. Well, yes, but we had the best of intentions to create him. It was to make sure that nobody ever created a Frankenstein, and if they did, we'd know how to defeat him. Yeah, but you did create a Frankenstein, and he got out. But the problem is we don't know how to defeat him because that wasn't actually what the research was. Now, was it? See, if the research was really about trying to tinker with these viruses to make them more pathogenic, to make them more virulent, whatever, for the purposes of figuring out how to stop them, then you would think they would have figured out how to stop them. But they never did. Now, why is that? Now, I don't know the answer to that, but I have a strong suspicion that's where the Chinese military comes in. That's where China comes into play here. And now, if you've got this, these viruses you're tinkering with and you're in China, you're in Wuhan, does, does anybody think that it's beyond the scope of the Chinese Communist Party to turn around and say, why don't we weaponize this? Why don't we take this and use this as a bioweapon? Now, that doesn't mean that that's what happened in terms of it getting out. 
It might have been the fact that it was a bioweapon research, that it started out by researching virology and it led to becoming a weapon, and then it got out of the lab accidentally. But then again, you know, it's like what Vito Corleone said. If lightning strikes, my boy, I'm going to blame some of the people in this room. I'm not a big coincidence believer. I always find that coincidences are just convenient excuses. And remember in 2019, the military world games were held where? Say it with me now, Wuhan. And guess what? The virus was out of the lab just when the military, the United States military and militaries from around the world happened to be in Wuhan, China. Oh, listen, that's a coinky dink. I don't know how that works. I mean, so in other words, if China was using a bioweapon and decided to send our troops home with a little present, that would not surprise me either. But here's what I think all this proves. Number one, Fauci's a friggin' liar. All right, we knew that. Uh, Francis Collins is a liar too. Fauci lied before Congress. Uh, it also proves that uh, the virus came from a lab, period. It, 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 forget the wet market Forget the wet market idea. The reason why they never found this virus in nature is because it didn't come from nature. I mean, originally it did. The fecal dust and the the caves from years ago, and I've talked about that before with you, the miners who got sick. But I think they they took those bats or those samples, they brought them to the lab, and then they took the coronaviruses from those bats and they, they, they altered them, as the evidence shows. Knowing full well, that Frankenstein could be a very bad dude. But they said, but the risks of Frankenstein being a nice guy that can hang out with us and drink a beer far outweigh all of the potential problems. The benefits that Frankenstein might buy around for all of us far outweigh all the potential problems. And you go, well, how, what, what? I mean, how does that even make any sense? How does that make any sense that that's even a thing? But that's exactly what happened. All right, enough on gain-of-function Fauci for now. We have a lot more things to discuss. Americans are still trapped in Afghanistan. Joe Biden doesn't think you call them tornadoes anymore. I don't know what you call them, corn pops. I'm not quite sure what, what you actually call them. I don't know. Great question. Was a bad dude. Who? Corn pop was a bad dude. That's what they say, but you took care of him, didn't you? Joe Biden doesn't think that we call them tornadoes anymore. Fantastic. I guess he just saw the movie Twister too many times and thinks, well, you know, listen, that's what you just called them. The audio is not great to hear, but here, listen to what Biden said today. Take a listen here. Let's see. Come on, pull it up here. Uh, you know, the looks like a tornado. They don't call them that anymore. That hit the crops and, and wetlands. In looks like a tornado. The they don't call them that anymore. I don't know what they call them, but... Joe Biden doesn't think they call them tornadoes anymore. He was in New Jersey touring with Governor Phil Murphy, who also blamed victims of drowning on themselves for not doing more to get out of the way of the water. And even though he's because he's coming under fire for not declaring a uh, state of emergency sooner. Because the guy's a political hack. So what we have right now is we have at least 100 Americans still trapped behind enemy lines in Afghanistan. At least 100. And the State Department is doing what it always does, and it lies. And Jen Psaki's doing what she always does is lie and act like it's not a hostage situation. What do you call a situation where you're not allowed to leave? Like, for example, guy walks into a bank. I'm robbing the bank. Everybody on the floor, line up there. And then you're all lining up. And then somebody raises their hand and goes, hey, listen, I got to feed my meter. Do you mind if I just run out, put a quarter in, I'll come right back. And the, and the, the guy with the gun goes, all right, 
I'd hate for you to get a parking ticket. Go ahead. Anybody else need to leave for any other reason? It's like, yeah, I got to pick up my kids from school. I just need a slice of pizza. All right, go. Then they're not actually hostages at that point. Staying as a hostage is a suggestion, but it doesn't seem to be required. The Taliban is not letting people leave. They're not letting Americans leave. And that is what other situation do you call that but a hostage situation? Yet here's White House Press Secretary Jen Psaki dismissing the notion of that today. And you know what? Let me let me get to play it for you in just a moment. But you know what it is? It's one of those stupid, dumb. So many ads, right, on the internet. It's crazy. Right? What's happening right now on those airplanes? If I had a dollar for every time this was called dead, it's about once every few weeks. Uh, I I wouldn't be that rich, but I could buy you a nice cup no, of coffee. Sorry. I meant the planes in Afghanistan. Oh, I thought you were talking about. So that's an important thing. I was. I I, I thought you were talking about the Build Back Better agenda. Um. Uh, no, that is not what we would characterize it as. Uh, those were points uh, that, that was those were comments made by a Republican congressman this weekend. So let me be very clear. We're in touch with American citizens. We're working to get them out. There are four who were able to depart over land. Uh, our secretary of state is in Qatar right now working on a range of options, including getting uh, flights up and operational and going. And what we have seen is that individuals who have documentation are able to depart or that that is what we have seen. Uh, but again, uh, we don't have a great deal of understanding of every individual on these manifests. Why not? Why don't you have a great understanding of every individual on these manifests? These are American citizens who have been trying to get out. Why don't you have that is my question. Why don't you have it? And I think that the, the reality is right now that the, the, the administration just doesn't care. That's why she went, oh, I thought you about our Build Back Better agenda. That's all they care about. They don't really care about Americans trapped in Afghanistan. If they, w- if they did care, they would, they would be doing everything they could to, to get them out. Everything they possibly could. They would stop at nothing to get them out. And right now, it's all a matter of Ron Klein, Ron Klein, the White House chief of staff, said, well, we're working with the Taliban on the situation. Well, if they're not hostages, what do you have to work with the Taliban on getting them released for? White House chief of staff said that today. Well, they're not. We're working with them to get their to gain their release. But if they're not hostages, then they should just walk out and then get to the airport and fly home. Right. The ACLU is a joke. And uh, I wanted to talk about this last week, but of course I had my little uh, diverticulitis flare up. But the ACLU backs civil, uh, excuse me, backs vaccine mandates now. Now, look, I don't really care about your position on vaccines. I I got it. You do whatever you want to do. It's your life. I'm I'm very libertarian in that respect. I don't like to I don't like to lecture people. I don't I don't think it works anyway. I don't think you really care in the sense of what you're going to do with your body based on what I say. I, that's just, that's just the reality of things. I I mean, look, I think you should be able to do heroin if you want to. I don't think you should do it, but if you want to do it, I mean, knock yourself out. I don't believe that mandates work. I don't believe that prohibitions work. I just don't believe these things work because they don't. It's the war on drugs has not worked. Prohibition in the 1930s didn't work. And whenever you have government mandates, first of all, mandates have to be enforced by people with guns. They're not enforced with hugs and candy or balloons or clowns. Maybe clowns. I shouldn't dismiss clowns outright. Perhaps clowns do enforce mandates nowadays. Well, they do. On the federal level in D.C., the clowns that work for the EPA, there's all kinds of mandates around that, the FDA, the CDC, a lot of mandates there. 
So David Cole and Daniel Mock at the ACLU said, do vaccine mandates violate civil liberties? Some who have refused vaccination claim as much. We disagree. At the American Civil Liberties Union, we are not shy about defending civil liberties, even when they are very unpopular. But we see no civil liberties problem with requiring COVID-19 vaccines. Hmm. Now, they give their list of the reasons why the disease is very transmittable. The disease is very, very, uh, you know, all the other things they give. But then they write the following. In, In fact, far from compromising civil liberties, vaccine mandates actually further civil liberties. They protect the most vulnerable among us, including people with disabilities and fragile immune systems, children too young to be vaccinated and communities of color hit hard by the disease. Now, isn't this the exact same argument that people make about why you should just throw the book at everybody who's accused of a crime? Why you should the government should be allowed to listen, spy on you? I mean, I could just you could take out vaccine mandates and replace it with. Let me I'll do it like this. In fact, far from compromising civil liberties, domestic warrantless wiretaps actually further civil liberties. They protect the most vulnerable among us from terrorists, including people with disabilities and fragile immune systems. In case terrorists try to use a bioattack, children too young uh, to be able to know the difference between a, a suicide bomber and just a dude with a bunch of stuff under his jacket. Let me try it with uh, with. Um, let's see. Um, oh, uh, I got a good one. Uh, oh, I, here we go. In fact, far from compromising civil liberties, book burning actually further civil liberties. I mean, it protects the most vulnerable among us, including idiots who believe everything that they read, people who can't read and feel bad about it, and also make sure that we don't put out the wrong things and and misinformation. So we don't want misinformation published. That's why we think book burning actually furthers civil liberties. You could do this with drone strikes. You could do this with uh, no-knock warrants, right? No-knock warrants. You could do this with holding people without giving them access to an attorney. You could do that. I mean, all the issues the ACLU fights for, they say you spent more time trying to get the people who were held in Guantanamo Bay uh, access to lawyers. But what people would say is that is that, in fact, far from compromising civil liberties, holding potential terrorists for years and years without a trial or even so much as a charge furthers civil liberties, protects the most vulnerable among us from terrorists, protects all of us from terrorists, right? I can play this game all day, ACLU. They also write the following. Vaccine requirements uh, also safeguard those who works involve regular exposure to the public, like teachers, doctors, and nurses, bus drivers, and grocery store employees. And by inoculating people from the disease's worst effects, the vaccines offer the promise of restoring to all of us our most basic liberties, eventually allowing us to return to safely to life as we know it. Now think about that. The argument being that They agree the government has taken away basic liberties, going to political meetings, going to church, restaurants, bars and gatherings. And their answer to that is, well, a vaccine mandate by the government will then have the intended effect of having the government give us back our basic liberties. So we propose a government mandate so that the government gives us more of our liberties back. How about this? I got an idea. Let's say that there's a place that has a curfew, which the ACLU fights. And then I say, listen, curfews actually extend civil liberties because by having curfews, we reduce crime. And by reducing crime, then all of us can go out and enjoy the things that we love to do. 
It's the same thing with pulling homeless people off the streets and putting them into a like a, a, a camp somewhere. It has the intended effect of making the, the city more beautiful. And for people that work in public that have to deal with homeless people all the time, some of which are deranged and crazy, mentally ill people, sometimes they attack people for no reason. Just picking up homeless people off the streets and holding them against their will in places actually then promotes civil liberties. They write, uh, here's why civil liberties objections to COVID vaccine mandates are generally unfounded. Vaccines are a justifiable intrusion, intrusion on autonomy and bodily integrity. That may sound ominous because we all have the fundamental right to bodily integrity and to make our own healthcare decisions, but the rights are not absolute. They do not include the right to inflict harm on others, except the ACLU will fight to the death against this Texas law, to the death to make sure that abortion is legal 24-7 at every stage of pregnancy. They will. And one could argue that abortion actually does inflict harm on others, like, like the baby, for example. You could make that argument. I certainly would. But think about this now. The ACLU says everybody has the right to bodily integrity and to make their own health care decisions, but the rights are not absolute. It's like the First Amendment. Everybody has a First Amendment right, but again, the right's not absolute. Except the ACLU says it is. The ACLU used to at least go to bat for freedom of speech. It doesn't anymore. Nowadays, the ACLU agrees that you should have uh, speech bans. Oh, yes. If your words trigger somebody, if you do so-called hate speech, then guess what? They are all about the ACLU today, the woke ACLU. They're all about saying then bans are okay because it might hurt somebody's feelings. While vaccine mandates are not always permissible, they rarely run afoul of civil liberties when they involve highly infectious and devastating diseases like COVID-19. So so it's not that they really run afoul of civil liberties when the government mandates that you get something in your in your body, injected into your body in order to enjoy the very basics of life. Your constitutional rights. In order for you to enjoy your constitutional rights, you have to get something injected forcibly into your body. Right? They say, just to be clear, no one is proposing forcible injections. Well, actually, I would argue that that's exactly what you're proposing. You're saying to people, look, you don't have to get the vaccine, but you can enjoy normal life. And why not have forcible injections at that point? Why not? I mean, if everything you're arguing here is that COVID-19 is that dangerous, that we need to mandate vaccines, why not then just have them forcibly injected into people? Right? Problem solved. And then they gave all kinds of different statistics. Even though the FDA and independent medical experts have found COVID vaccines to be extremely safe and highly effective, a sizable portion of the population has chosen not to be vaccinated. In this context, COVID-19 vaccine mandates, much like mask mandates, are public health measures necessary to protect people from severe illness and death. They are therefore permissible in many settings where the unvaccinated pose a risk to others, including schools and universities, hospitals, restaurants and bars, workplaces and businesses open to the public. So the ACLU has now taken the other approach too. they've gone even a step further to say private property no longer matters. So whatever decisions you make as a bar, as a restaurant, It doesn't matter anymore. Your business, your workplace, whatever. If it's open to the public, you lose your rights. You don't have any rights anymore. As long as the public can come in, you don't have the ability to make choices anymore. So I guess then if you don't want to bake a cake, the ACLU would no longer be on your side to say you can't force somebody to bake a cake. Like Jack Phillips, a baker, for example. And here's something else too to think about. When you think about 
a mandate. Whenever you mandate something, the question of enforcement comes in all the time. And when somebody enforces something and then goes a step further and, I don't know, it becomes a violent encounter, doesn't the mandate itself in some ways serve as the starting point of that? And if you didn't have a mandate, you wouldn't have people having to enforce it. I mean, isn't that the ACLU's position on drugs? Right? If you didn't have the war on drugs, you wouldn't have people dying. You wouldn't have no-knock raids. You wouldn't have all these other things. They, they actually have certain positions based on the fact that the enforcement of them tends to have more harm. Then their take on religion, which is ridiculous. They write, what about those who object to vaccination on religious grounds, like personal autonomy? Religious freedom is an essential right, but not an unfettered license to inflict harm on others. By the way, at what point did we decide that if you're unvaccinated, you're actually inflicting harm on other people? This is such a, 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 a specious argument. If you're vaccinated, then you're good. You're protected. That's what they tell us. So if you're unvaccinated, you're taking a risk. They say you're taking a risk. But it's your life, it's your body. Just like if you do drugs, you're taking a risk. Just like if you eat cheeseburgers, you're taking a risk. It's your body, it's your choice, it's your life. I thought. I thought it was hands off our bodies. But now suddenly it's become that if you're not vaccinated, you're actually a health risk to other people. How? They say the right to practice religion freely does not include the liberty to expose the community or the child to communicable disease or the latter to ill health or death. Huh? Huh? So why don't we start doing tests to everybody who enters any place to make sure that they don't have something that they could spread? Right? I mean, we don't want to we don't want to endanger anybody. So basically now, if you want to enjoy your rights, you got to pee in a cup. You got to get a blood test. Whatever it is, we got to make sure you don't have any communicable diseases. Why not? Hey, you want to enter this house of worship? Fine. Give us your blood, give us your urine, give us your body. Let's make sure you don't have any diseases. Would the ACLU be okay with that? No, but you want, but you just said though that you cannot have people harming other people. So what if somebody has a disease, a highly communicable disease, and they don't even know it, right? What if they, how do they, what if they don't even know? So make them pee in a cup before they can go in and get a cheeseburger. Make them pee in a cup before they can go into a house of worship. And if the state says we're not going to prosecute them if they test positive for drugs or something like that, definitely believe them because they never lie. So now we have a situation right now where the American Civil Liberties Union has openly come out and said that the only threat to civil liberties is states that ban vaccine and mask mandates. Now, I I personally don't think states should ban those things because I think that uh, it's kind of like the opposite of mandates. Uh, a, A ban on a mandate is the same as a mandate in that sense. Just let private businesses do what they want. Just let local communities make their own decisions. I think that's an important right. It's an important fundamental part of self-governance. But but for the ACLU to come out and say, hey, you must get this government-approved thing, at the same time that they stand up and scream about the Texas law and say, bans off our body. They actually have that hashtag, bans off our bodies. So the American Civil Liberties Union will fight to the death to make sure that any person can have an abortion. Because, you know, I don't want to say just women. Yeah, I get in a lot of trouble for that. So any person can have an abortion. I don't, again, I don't, gender needs to stay out of this. Right? <laughs> Clearly. So any person can have an abortion. The ACLU will fight to the death for that. But if, if somebody stands up and goes, that same person 
who, who wants an abortion stands up and says, I don't want the vaccine. The ACLU is going to come around and go, oh, no, 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 no. You must get the vaccine. You must get the vaccine to enjoy life. What if we make it that you have to be vaccinated to get an abortion? Could you imagine the left's heads would freaking explode, wouldn't it? You have to be vaccinated to get an abortion. What, that, would be, that would be amazing. Because, you know, a lot of these lefties, these granola eaters, they hate vaccines too. And they're all up in arms about this Texas law now. So that's what you do. At the abortion clinic, you make them check. Are you vaccinated? And also pee in a cup. And also give us a blood sample. And, yeah, we're going to tell you we're not going to run this for potential diseases and put it in a database. But you never know, right? You just never know. So just trust us. This country... I don't even know where we're headed anymore, but I know this, that everything woke turns to S, like what Trump said at the rally last week, and the ACLU has gone as woke as they come. The thing about drone strikes on American citizens is that they actually extend civil liberties to people. Because if you kill a guy without a trial, without due process, but you think he might be a terrorist, maybe he was, and you saved a whole bunch of people's lives. I'm just saying, throwing it out there, I don't know. We could do this all day. But we don't have time because you are a busy person and you need to get on with your day. One of the other things that I find amazing with this Rolling Stone magazine story is that Rolling Stone is still in business even after they've published so many inaccuracies. And when Rolling Stone and the cool kids at the cool table like Rachel Maddow are allowed to spread misinformation and there are no ramifications, none, then there's no reason why anybody should believe for a second that bans on speech are ever okay. Whether you're pushing ivermectin or you're pushing uh, vitamin D3, because nobody really knows. And misinformation today is information tomorrow. And if Rolling Stone's allowed to get away with it, why can't we get away with it? No, really, why can't we? Why can't we get away with it if we say something that is not factually correct? They're allowed to stay in business. Rachel Maddow can retweet it. No ramifications to her. So why is it that you and I are in a position where we get in trouble if we say something that is absolutely, on their eyes, misinformation? The double standard here with the left, the one thing that, I never, that never ceases to amaze me is the fact that if there was one consistency on the left, it is their absolute inconsistency all the time. Listen to this. You know, the members of Congress know from their colleagues in Congress that, uh, you know, the looks like a tornado. They don't call them that anymore. That hit the crops and and wetlands in the middle of the country. What do we call them anyway? Corn pops? I mean, they're going after crops. We'll call them corn pops. Corn pop was a bad dude. You know he was. You know he was. All right, that's uh, that's probably about enough for today. Oh, the other thing I can tell you before I go, I, I have to let you let you know. Uh, when it comes to the people in Afghanistan who are trapped, Americans who are trapped, uh, the majority leader of the Senate, Chuck Schumer, who's a real moron, he really is, and he's a liar too, he wants you to believe that all the Americans who wanted to come out of Afghanistan have gotten out of Afghanistan. A total lie. Total lie. 
But this is the lie the Democrats are telling because they know. They know, politically speaking, just how bad this botched withdrawal was. And they know that the American people are not going to forget. And they know that you and I are going to hold them accountable. They know this. How will what happened affect Democrats' chances moving into the midterm? You know, I can't predict that. I will say there'll be a job for congressional oversight. There always is. But at the moment, actually, I'm still focused on trying to get some of those brave Afghans hands out. The Americans, all of whom wanted to come out, have come out, praise God. But there are a lot of Afghans who risked their lives for our soldiers and others. Many got out, some didn't. And I'm still working on trying to get some of them out. The Americans who wanted to get out got out. That is a lie. A total, absolute lie from a guy who lies quite often. The majority leader of the Senate, Chuck Schumer. So, now you know. At least 100 Americans remain behind enemy lines. But don't call them hostages even though they're not free to leave, even though the Taliban is holding them hostage. Don't call them hostages. Especially when you consider that the chief of staff to the president is trying to work on getting them out. Don't you dare suggest that they are hostages. All right? Hey, have a great day. Thank you for listening. Please subscribe. Would love it if you gave this a good rating. But if you don't have anything nice to say, then don't say anything at all. All right. Thank you.